One of the biggest challenges that we have here on the Pinehurst Reservation is workforce. It's challenging because if you want to create economic development on the Pinehurst Reservation, you have to have a strong workforce. And in order to do that, you have to identify a staff of people that are all willing to go the distance for one goal. I know that this is challenging all over Turtle Island, on reservations, off reservations. However, there are more circumstances when it comes to reservations and indigenous peoples. It's a very challenging issue and I sit down with Matt Cole and Marie Kills Warrior. Thank you very much for joining us and enjoy the conversation. Empowering Lakota youth and families. Empowering Lakota youth and families to improve the health, culture, and environment of our communities. To improve the health, culture, and environment of our communities. To improve the health, culture, and environment of our communities. Through the healing and strengthening. Through the healing and strengthening. Through the healing and strengthening of cultural identity. Of cultural identity. Of cultural identity. Of cultural identity. This is our mission statement. Here we go, guys. This is... Good afternoon, everybody. This is the Thunder Valley CDC podcast. Across the table from me, I have Marie Killswarrior and Matthew Cole. The reason why I got these two individuals here specifically is about workforce development. One of the biggest issues that we deal with on the Pinehurst Reservation is workforce. And... They have the special job of developing it. And it's one of our, when you talk to employers across the reservation, it is one of the biggest problems. Every single one of them has the issue of maintaining a workforce. And so I have brought these two in here with me to talk about that. And as of everywhere else across the United States and anywhere else, developing and maintaining a workforce has always been Uh, an intricate part to employment and to employers, but they, in this instance, for the Piners Reservation, it's a special case because that's one of the things that is at the very top of the issues that we deal with when it comes to employment on the reservation. So, Marie, why is maintaining employment on the Piners Reservation such, uh, such a challenge? Well, there's a lot of factors that come into play when it comes to challenges. Um, one of the main things is people need a second chance at getting their education as also as well as transportation. And they just need the, a stepping stone in order for them to get their foot on the ground, to get their feet you know, underneath them to pursue a job. Sometimes they don't have that, and, that's just, and that is exactly why we have this program, is in order to help these individuals that we've picked, whether that's, you know, help them get their education, help them, you know, with some of the emotional stress that they may be experiencing or working with, uh, you know, just to help alleviate that, you know, off their shoulders a little bit, just by being there for them, being supportive of them, and just giving people, individuals, the opportunities that were, you know, presented to me as well. One of you guys can talk to me about how this all started as well. 
A few years back, Thunder Valley engaged in the process reservation-wide with a number of community members in developing uh, the Oyate Omiche plan, uh, which highlighted some of the areas where folks saw room for growth on the Pine Ridge Reservation and what some of our needs were here and what some of those barriers were. And at the same time that folks were saying we want to be able to have access to um, high-quality housing, which we now see going up at Thunder Valley, folks were also saying, well, we've got a group of young folks, most specifically 18 to 26, who seem to lack a lot of opportunities, who lack the skills necessary to enter into the workforce. And so what if we can simultaneously build homes while we're developing a workforce? And I think one of the important things to remember about workforce development and that Marie and others talk about is it's, it's people development, right? Um, we can teach folks any skill. It doesn't matter what it is. But it's some of those soft skills, the underlying parts of how to interview for a job, how to make sure that those barriers of child care or, um, you know, need for better mental health or, or not slowing you down from the job site. So what happened was uh, Thunder Valley, uh, in conjunction with a number of the communities here in this area, worked to draft what a workforce development program would look like in the building trades and applied for an administration for Native Americans grant, uh, which they were granted in 2015. And it's a five-year grant. We're entering into the final year of it. And there's supplemental funding that comes from the Kervich Family Foundation out of Rapid City as well. And uh, that's really the, the how the workforce development program got started. And we've run different iterations of it over the, the last five years. Now, Marie, were you a part of the initial workforce development? Yeah, I was part of the second cohort. That was back in 2016. I believe the first cohort was back in 2015. And now, you know, I transferred onto staff, and now here we are in the last part of our cohort, which is cohort number five, and they'll be starting next week, January 9th. Whenever this all started, what, what was the, the whole idea behind workforce development, and what, what did you guys have in mind? Um, well, what were the couple of things that were included with the workforce development is um, one thing that I love to touch base on a lot and which has helped me and continues to help me is equine therapy with Morris Brewer. And, you know, just I never realized how much power that the horse had until I actually interacted with the horse. And it was just this, to me, it was um, the healing process for me, you know, and it just helped me overcome a lot of challenges, especially, you know, in my emotional state. And also that, you know, what's included with this, they have us, you know, financial literacy classes. And those help me, you know, get a better idea of what I need to do you know, for a financial, better financial background, for a better financial understanding, and to understand why credit is so important, especially in this day and age, and why we need to take advantage of the Lakota Federal Credit Union. And they just help us with these opportunities that will, you know, better ourselves both financially and mentally as well. Let's go back to equine therapy. I am curious about that because why institute something like equine therapy, working with horses? Why include that in workforce development? Well, us too, you know, being Oga Lakota, you know, the horse plays a big, bar, a big part of our lives. And just, you know, with me, like everybody experiences something different. And so with me, you know, I was somebody that blocked in my feelings. I didn't want to show anybody how I felt. Mm 
But whenever I came back to, you know, working with the horse and then I just felt all these emotions and I didn't understand and I asked the coordinator at that time, you know, why am I feeling all these emotions? He said, well, the horse that you're working with, maybe he's telling you that it's okay to allow yourself to feel. It's okay to allow yourself to have these emotions because, you know, we are only human. You know, Marie, growing up here, you notice that in a lot of our relatives around here, that they have challenges of developing themselves personally because of some personal trauma that we're all dealing with. And I think it's more prominent or more it's more here on the Pioneer Reservation, and like and like other reservations, our relatives are dealing with some, I would say, generational trauma in some shape or form, and it, it really prevents us as relatives to develop into a, a workforce that's been developed, you know what I mean, like an outside world. Because if you talk about like a workforce in Rapid City versus a workforce down on the reservation, the way we do things here versus how people do things in Rapid City. You know what I mean? Non-natives. You notice that? Yeah, I definitely do. Especially because, all right, so us being Native Americans, you know, our culture is definitely a big part of who we are. And so is the horse and along with, you know, other spiritual ceremonies and um, occurrences is that we keep that part alive within us and with ourselves and this is definitely that this program has helped me reconnect with that part of me as well. It's one of those growing things that I notice in our own communities that if we are able to at least take care of the small needs that we have, that housing have something in our bellies, um, if we can just take care of some of those things that a lot of our community members really don't have, then their ability to be a better employee is you, you have a bigger bigger chances of, of being a good employee because I think most of us in these in these communities we we find a job out of necessity and not so much for you know career and like if I think about like a couple of the jobs I've done in my own past I would think why did I ever do that I don't even understand why I even did that but I know I did it is because of money you know. I wanted money for my children and, you know, just for just for living. But whenever we think about careers, how much is that is integrated into the workforce, workforce development? Our workforce development program in this first five years has been designed in an effort to get folks involved in the building trades. Uh, that was the way the grant was initially written, and that's the way we're delivering it with the funding uh, that we have from the Administration for Native Americans in Bakurovich. What we know, though, is not every single person who enters into our workforce development program between the ages of 18 to 26, like you and I think back of where we were in 18 to 26, and somebody asked us, what are we going to be doing professionally today if we'd have any idea? Not every young person who enters into this program is going into the building trades. There's going to be some nurses. There's going to be some CDL drivers. There's going to be some folks going on to college, graduate school, and so forth. So what we really try and ensure is that there's a specific set of skills that young people have that can prepare them for the workforce. And some of that is the soft skills, writing your resume, how to search for a job, uh, speaking with that employer for the first time. 
But other parts, uh, which I think are unique to some of the workforce development that we do here at Thunder Valley CDC and that Maria's already touched on, uh, really are grounded in culture and the understanding that in order to be able to address individual trauma, to be able to engage in community-wide healing, uh, requires doing things like uh, social-emotional well-being, ensuring that folks have the ability to reconnect with the Horse Nation, ensuring that folks have the ability to get talk therapy or be engaged in ceremonies if that's what they're looking for as well. And, and so we really try and focus not only the how you get there on time, how you interact with your coworkers and your bosses, but uh, how your healing process is able to start and continue through our workforce program. And then I'm kind of curious, how does yoga come come into play? Well, with yoga, uh, whatever I did, it it was more of like getting to know your body when you're under certain types of stress, whenever you're feeling anxious or whenever you're feeling scared or nervous. And those are just some of the things that I noticed that whenever I'm feeling anxious and when some other people are feeling nervous, you know, we tend to tap our foot. Or whenever, like when I'm under stress, I tend to clench my jaw. And then I didn't realize that until like the end of the day, you know, my jaw hurt and I didn't know it until our yoga instructor touched based on it. She said, well, are you going, are you feeling stressed or anything? I said, you know, I got some things going on back at home right now. And it was involving, you know, around with my grandmother's health and, you know, with things, you know, being financially stable, you know, providing for the house that I was in at that time. And so, yeah, it was just like getting to know my body a little bit more and how to like recognize those signs that, okay, I'm feeling stressed. I need to let go of my jaw. I need to breathe. I need to relax and I need to calm down. Wow, that's really neat. I didn't know that whenever I first heard about the workforce development program, that equine therapy and yoga and for some reason, I didn't think any of these things were part of that. I, you know, I just didn't see how those involved my work development. Uh, And I think that that's easy to look past. And I think that when we're in situations where we're not considering like actual career development, but just more what's my next job, it's it's easy to fall into that. And my experience has been with young people here uh, working in the school system, but then also working for the last five years in this workforce development. It's easier for young people to learn the, I need to show up at 8.15, I need to be done at 4 o'clock. It's easier to follow the policies and procedures at work. Uh, where the real challenges start to arise and where they result sometimes in young people being terminated from employment or uh, just ask being asked honestly not to return to the to the job or the organization where they're working with is uh, the pieces of what's going on between the ears, the, the social parts that are going on at home, emotionally what's going on with young people, and where they're at with their mental health. And we're not so naive as to believe that 10 months in our program, right, is going to equip everybody with the skills that they're going to need to be successful for the next 40 years of their life. Um, But I think Marie's hit on it before and continues to stress this to folks is that it's the beginning part of a journey, right? And you can start to engage in things like equine therapy and you can start to unpack some of the challenges that you've had in your life that may be making it hard to get a job. 
Um, and it's not going to be perfect straight out of the gate. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to feel uncomfortable at times. And, and that's why we just try to be there to sort of uh, be a guide and lead folks through that 10 months. But where they do walk away from the skills uh, during the time that they've spent with us to be able to start doing some of those things on their own as well. One of the things that we deal with on the Pioneers Reservation is that a lot of our jobs are service jobs. And a lot of our jobs on the reservation have to do with helping others in the community or helping others with whatever else they may they might need in their lives. What sort of things do you uh, do in the program to help understand that process better? Because, I mean, there are careers and then there's jobs. And most people are taking jobs. I thought that, you know, I want to go up and, you know, live up in Alaska. But the only way I was going to do that was, you know, by working through the fishing industry. Now, doing that, it definitely helped me, you know, achieve one of my dreams, which was going up to Alaska and being up there for about six months, four months. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. But somewhere during that time, I realized that, you know, I do not want to be working with fish for the rest of my life. You know, although it was an amazing experience, I can I can fillet a salmon, I can fillet Pollock, I can I can gut a um, a flounder, you know, cart. Just looking for a career that's also doing something that you're happy with. It's your passion. It's something that drives you every single day, and whether that be you know being a help to others, or even providing people with opportunities. You know, you get some type of satisfaction out of your career. Whenever you you start your whenever you start your program, what are you the first things that you start telling the participants in these programs? What are they going to expect out of this program? One of the pieces that we're trying to convey um, for young folks, especially because for many of them, even though it's a training program, it's their first full-time job is just what are some of those expectations of professionalism on how to show up on time, on how to engage with other individuals. Uh, A big part, too, that we talk about, though, is the piece of workforce development is people development. And so if you don't have your GED, like that's going to be one of the things that you need to focus your time and your effort on because if you want to move forward in any job, in any career, I don't care what it is, Nine times out of ten in the United States, people are looking for folks who have a GED or high school uh, equivalent. So we really focus on that continuing education component. But a part that a lot of young folks um, really pick up within this program, which is different from school, is uh, how do I engage with folks that I don't necessarily always agree with or I don't want to be spending my time around? A lot of times what we would consider to be soft skills Uh, But simultaneously, we're working with them to set goals around their education, to set goals around their their finances, around their career development. And I think a lot of times when we are here on Pine Ridge and really tied to the systematic poverty that is going on, it sort of forces us to, to consider the here and now. Right. Like what's going on today? What's going on tomorrow? And do I have the luxury really of trying to plan a month down the, the road, a year down the road? And, and so trying to help folks, you know, navigate that intersection of like, here's my reality of what I'm facing day in, day out. 
here's the way that I could potentially uh, address some of those challenges and barriers while simultaneously working to uh, pursue a career job for the first time. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, like this program is a stepping stone, you know, for some of these individuals that we have selected. And we just, you know, we want to give them the opportunity. I want to keep giving them the opportunity. The same opportunities that were presented to me, you know, somebody else can also use it, you know, to better themselves, whether that's professionally, financially, or help them reach their educational goals by getting their GED. We had one past participant who entered this program, you know, doing her GED. And she has been the first one to successfully obtain her GED and also enroll in college classes in which she's pursuing now. And she has decided to go into early childhood. So, you know, I'm still very proud of her to, you know, to this day, whatever she needs, she needs any type of support, you know, she knows where to find us and she knows that she has us for that kind of support. And we also try to give that same support to the other individuals as well, whether that's pushing them forward for their GED and making sure that we're doing everything we can, you know, on our end to making sure that we're there for them, if we're giving them the right support. But also, you know, it's a two-way street. You can give somebody all the help in the world, but ultimately it's up to that individual to meet you halfway. They have to want it just as much as you want it for them, if not more. That's really a good saying right there. It's a two-way street, and because that's one of the challenges that we have here on the reservation is making sure that that person that you're investing your time and effort into is actually going to put time and effort into the same goals that, uh, that, that others have set for themselves. What sort of um, challenge challenges separates our community from such as, uh, you know, uh, an area like Rapid City. What sort of challenges when it comes to workforce development separate us from those two places or from someplace like Rapid City? So from a large scale, I'd say that there's considerable uh, inequities that exist in workforce funding. Uh, for a community like Pine Ridge versus someplace like Rapid City, we have some of the barriers related to uh, just the sheer geography and the size of trying to get folks to jobs and training opportunities and things of that nature. There's some of the historical parts as well, uh, the indirect, indirect colonial rule that existed uh, under an IRA government system um, during the early reservation periods. Like These are things that communities take generations to be able to heal from. Um, I would say, though, more on the individual level, though, is uh, a lot of the young people who are graduating from school here or who are not graduating from school here are academically unprepared for the workforce. Um, The majority of young people that we get who come in and are in need of a GED um, typically have completed uh, through their sophomore year of high school uh, at one of the local schools. But when I test their reading level and their mathematics level um, using some pretty standardized tools, they typically test at about a sixth grade level. And so even in order to be able to obtain that GED, there's a lot of additional learning that has to be able to to happen. And then the other part I would say, too, is, uh, and this is not just like Rapid City versus Pine Ridge, but my experience of growing up in white culture, you know, spending the majority of my time in in Indian country now as well, is that uh, sometimes the prioritization 
of things like funerals or a Bigfoot ride or some of these other parts that really ensure that Lakota culture is strengthened and maintained are not something that you usually see in the same way in white culture. It's like, is there any chance that I am going to travel back to Illinois, Kentucky, wherever it is for the death of a third cousin that um, I may have only met a handful of times? No. Is there a chance that one of my workforce participants every single year is going to have something like that happen and need two to three days off of leave to be able to um, show that level of respect to their relative and so that people can know that they're there and supporting the family? That's going to happen. And so a lot of times when we talk about workforce development, when we have young people go to Rapid City and they see for the first time ever, oh, I'm not going to get a week off for Sundance. I'm not going to get my four days off before, four days of, four days after. Uh, the question becomes, like, do I Sundance or do I quit this job? And, and so that's a, a challenging piece that requires uh, some flexibility and understanding, uh, not just on the part of the workforce development participant, but of, of that employer as well. Um, just to like what, especially what Matt said, with E-Reader about, you know, us being rooted in our culture. People definitely don't get the time off to go to these ceremonial practices, especially off the reservation. And just like what Matt had said, that do I be there and go dance with my family during this time of healing and this time of prayer? Or do I, or do I quit this job? Or do I miss out on that with them? And it's kind of like what separates us from what's going on, you know, off of the reservation and, you know, white culture. It's just that, you know, we remember our roots. You know, we we respect each other's prayer circle. We respect every, which, every individual has a prayer circle. And, you know, in that time, that's a practice that's been alive in our culture, you know, for hundreds of years is that we take that time during the summer months, you know, to to pray, to come together, you know, to to heal and to, you know, be a be a tribe, you know, in a different prayer circle. And I just really think that's definitely one of the things that, you know, separates us or makes us different from others, from other organizations off the reservation. One of the things that I had trouble understanding was um, retirement because I never whenever I first got introduced into how retirement works I was told that I had been working someplace for over a year now and they said that they were, I, I qualify for a reti- retirement package and then I I remember meeting with the, the person that was going to get me started with my retirement package and he had these three different levels on how I was supposed to invest my money and he had this big chart, and he had this this question a question for almost everything that i that I wanted to do with the my retirement money and if I wanted to be a risk taker or if I wanted to be conservative and then i there was new terms I learned equity, capital, you know stuff like that i don 't know anything about these words. I never heard him through high school. I never heard him through college. I never heard him through any of these things equity capital. I never heard these words. But whenever I was qualified to receive my uh, retirement package and then I had to invest this money into something, I just literally took a blindfold or, you know, how they, they and, and threw darts at the board. And that's basically what I did. 
And I remember whenever I, when I left that position, it was uh, they asked me what I wanted to do with my retirement, if I wanted to roll it over or if I wanted to cash it out. And I was like, cash what out? <laughs> and that was the funniest thing because I was only like 23, 24 years old. And it, when you talk about uh, access to money when you're 23 or 24, and I was just a, I was just a, I, I became a father and I was trying to figure things out. And then whenever, you know, typically somebody in that position, I found out, in, in, in the workforce would roll their retirement over into the next job or whatever, or reinvest it yourselves, th- themselves personally. But then, you know, from, for us, you know, it's like cash it out, you know? <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. And that's just like, I didn't know anything about any of that. I still am still getting a grasp on, on that itself too, retirement. That concept right there is not in a lot of our relatives' heads as like retirement, because like when we look at our our older our elders, we don't put them out to pasture. Right. <laughs> you know, our, our our relatives that are older, the generation that's older, we take care of them, and they're very very much a part of our lives. You know, and so like just that aspect alone, just boggles me how you could put somebody in a home or or send them off for for their retirement it's it's just one of the things i just never understood when it comes to employment yeah i think part part of what we see and part of what you describe right there is some of the challenges that folks have uh star and anna with the home ownership uh a path to home ownership for folks is because the way that we engage with money varies culturally. Uh, it varies especially among socioeconomic classes is, as well. Um, and I think the idea of being able to uh, have strong financial literacy skills, and, and similar to you, I was at an age where I suffered through that as well. And I, and I came out of a household where that was stressed as a way to ensure, you know, that you were able to look down the road and and ensure that you were taken care of through retirement. Um, But also we see many times like someone who is a good relative in our community is someone who can support their family members, whether that be financially, whether that be buying that set of tires, whether that be uh, food for a Wopila or something along those lines. And and that part, I think, really is... uh, something that I was forced to kind of come to head with after uh, I had my first child, right? Like, even though I'm not from here, a good portion of my paychecks would be going to helping different families out that I knew. And it was not a, oh, look at you, you're so poor, you're so pitiful. But as a relative, if I have money and my needs are taken care of as a single male at the age of 36 years old, then in order to be a good relative, I should help you financially or that box of groceries should show up to your house once every other week kind of deal, right? Um, But then my engagement with money and what that looked like, what that would look like um, as a father, as someone who just built their own home, as who manages a ranch, like that changes as well over time. And so I think 
what we try and help young folks understand from a financial literacy perspective through their work with Star and Anna and Marie and, and myself is that there are certain best practices you can get into play um, about how not living paycheck to paycheck or some of those other pieces while still remaining tied to cultural values and what it means to be able to support other people and help people out. And so just to um, touch base on is that, you know, whenever I did join the program as a participant, you know, I was, you know, I was in that position, you know, laying pay, uh, living paycheck to paycheck. Um, I was the only one in my household that had a job and I took on a large amount of financial responsibility. And it was to the point where I was carrying an entire household, you know, of, of four or five people and me the only one having a job. And so, like, it put a lot of stress on me because I wasn't able to save. And <clears throat> and now that, you know, now that I'm not in that position no more, I can, you know, what I've learned this past year was, you know, in a good manner, in a good way, it's okay to be selfish in a positive, in a positive note because... Because, you know, like after, like, after if I don't have this job, then what else am I going to do? All I'm going to really have is my savings, you know, which I need to start bulking up on now, especially I'm not in the position I was once in before. But to also realize that, like, what Matt was saying, and he taught me this this past year, is that it doesn't cost anything to be a good relative. You know, it's just giving somebody, or having the moral satisfaction that you helped somebody in need, that you help somebody, you know, not just to glow or to feed your ego, but just because that's what it is to be a good relative. And I, like, after I've learned that lesson, you know, I try to help, you know, people as much as I can. You know, I still help my family, my friends. You know, if there's somebody walking on the road, you know, I pick them up, I give them a ride. You know, if there's somebody, you know, that just needs a couple extra bucks to get something to eat, I'll go get, buy them something to eat. But it's just, I don't know how to explain it, but definitely, like, this program has helped me, you know, grow a lot, you know, especially morally, professionally, and definitely, you know, just continue to grow every single day, you know. So, I know you guys are starting your fourth, fifth, fifth cohort, a uh, group of individuals that are moving into their fifth season of the Thunder Valley CDC's work development. Looking at, looking forward now, what 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 sort of things are you guys looking forward to? For this year, so for this year, um. We got an education coordinator on board with us, Charles Eagleball, and I'm really thankful that you know he had chosen to join our team. And know uh, with him, we can definitely get more people on their educational path and helping them reach their educational goals, as well as there you know to be there to support them. And I'm also looking forward to you know to developing myself as a professional, to being a better role model, to be you know just be myself to be a better person than I was the day before, before I was, you know, a person I was, you know, two years ago. You know, I've started making better choices about 
you know, my lifestyle and then just to, you know, use myself as a as an example to the participants that you can really do anything, achieve anything that you put your mind to, but you're also going to have to believe in yourself and you have to accept the fact that, you know, there's going to be challenges that you're going to be presented with. But if you're presented with those challenges, then just know that you're not alone. You have us on board to help you with certain support systems, whether that's, you know, if if they have a problem, you know, if they need more counseling, individualized counseling, one-on-one. And I still utilize that to this day. And also just to never underestimate the power of prayer. Marie did a good job of touching base on the programmatic aspects of what we're looking forward to with this fifth cohort. And I think we're at uh, kind of a crux right now where we have federal funding that's extended to us through uh, October of 2019 this year. And so what you see in many places like Rapid City or where a workforce development is run by the tribe is that there's, for the most part, a a continual set of dollars that come into that program every year, whether that be through federal funding, whether that be through state funding, whether that be the tribe diverting a percentage of their operating budget to that. We simply don't have that here at Thunder Valley uh, as we approach this work as a non-governmental organization. So really for us right now, um, and myself especially, is, is spending this next, uh, this next 10 months figuring out how it is we continue to support the workforce development efforts here at Thunder Valley because it's not just workforce development by Thunder Valley for Thunder Valley employees. It's bigger than that. All the young people who come in our program come from the nine different IRA districts across the reservation. And so when we say we're going out to look for money to support workforce development efforts, we don't just mean uh, in the Pajutahaka district, in the Porcupine district, we mean reservation-wide. And so that's that's a challenge. It, it really is. And I think for us, it will mean uh, looking at what are some of the different options of what workforce development looks like. Right now, yes, we are focused on the building trades. What does it look like to uh, create a more individualized experience for young folks who are interested in agriculture, who are interested in uh, early childhood education or some of these other pieces where they get the skills and the mindset uh, work from us, but ultimately when they're they're doing the day in, day out um career development that it's occurring uh, reservation-wide and not just here. We'd like to thank everybody at the Workforce Development and all the work that they're putting in with our cohort five that's going on right now. To all our relatives out there that push for excellence in the workplace, thank you very much. Coming up next time on the Thunder Valley Community Development Corporation podcast. So the next big thing for the development, um, we're looking to open the community center in a couple of weeks, apartments in spring. And then we're working on getting a retail space off the ground. It's going to have lots of different activities for people to do and uh, office space, places for people to work. So that's the next big stuff. Join us next time on the Thunder Valley CDC Podcast.